podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Blue Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair, and we have an episode of Nostalgia this week, as Steve Cox returns after many, many weeks away. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thank you, Nigel. And uh, welcome also to Rob Barron's CTID, who's appearing on his last Man City Show for a while as he embarks on a new project. So welcome back, Rob. Hi, Nigel. And also on the show is the oldest Man City fan to appear on any podcast anywhere in the world... (laughs) And that's my dad. Welcome back to Jeffrey Rothband. Nice to see you. Thank you for welcoming me. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Now, Rob, you have a personal connection with my dad. Maybe we could sort of start with that. Explain the personal connection. Absolutely. Uh, My father and the colonel played football together in the late 1940s and early 1950s. And they played in a magnificent team called the Country Club in Manchester, and the colonel was the centrepiece of the team and always revered by my father as a very fine player and also a great friend. You're shaking your head, Dad. Is that not true? So you, you, weren't, you, you played centre-back, I believe. I played centre-back, but uh, my friend uh, Bill Behrens uh, was the better, best player on, uh, of our group. And where did he play? Left back. He was left back, yeah. Uh, so we, we may come back to that, but but as you're here, and you have been on the show once before, um, I thought we'd have a... So it's a pretty rare opportunity to talk to someone who sort of supported City back in the 1930s. Um, and I think you were telling me earlier on, I think you were 15 before you really started going to City, and you, you went on your bike in those days, is that right? I used to take my bike and cycle about 15 minutes and then park it in the, the alleyway of one house uh, for tuppence. <laughs> <laughs> and that was where? Sort of the sort of back of the kit Yeah? Yeah. So tuppence. Excellent. Um, and, and something also, when surveys are done sort of on City nowadays, they talk about the great players of King Clarzi and Silva and Aguero and Bell. But I know that they, they wouldn't sort of be your favourite player. Just just tell us a little bit about your favourite player, who I think goes back all the way to the 1930s and, and never appears on many of those surveys. A fellow called Peter Doherty. Oh. He's an inside forward. I think he came from Macherafelt, which, as you know, is, uh, is in Northern Ireland. He uh, was a genius. He was unstoppable as a, as a schemer and a footballer. He played... Uh, a happy game. He he couldn't get up to up to the, the, the centre spot before the game started to get going. Rubbing his hands together with glee, he had tremendous skill and ability, and he'd send people the wrong way when they when they were coming at him. And uh, uh, he he was unfortunately let go after the war because maybe they didn't pay him enough at City. Maybe. And he went to Derby County, I think, and he got a cup winner's medal with Derby County just after the war. I very 
pleased to, uh, to know that that happened. Yeah. Uh, so 1937, we won the championship, and that was a sort of... I think we scored 100 goals that season. Do you, I mean, do you, remember, do you remember the team from 1937? Swift, Dale and Barkers, Percival, Cowan, Bray... Toslin, Marshall, Tilson, McClucky and Brook. Something like that. <laughs> That'll do, I'm sure. Uh, and the next season we got relegated, because 1938, I mean, that was ridiculous, isn't it? We win the, the, the Premier League as it was, or the Championship as it was, and those get, get relegated then, uh, the next season. That, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it was ridiculous to score more goals, I think, than anybody else, and to get relegated at the same time. <coughs> so so let's go back to the 30s, because I... I I'm sure Rob and Steve, you can confirm there's no paper here at all. There's, there's nothing in front of my dad. So uh, let, let's see if you can remember. I know you did no schoolwork. Oh, that's, uh, that's what you tell me. But you, you, you knew your, your, your football team. So we've had the City team. Adam, let me throw another one. Let's have the Sunderland team around the 1930s. you remember the Sunderland team? Well, from... I, I just said that I gave the Sunderland team a few minutes ago, didn't I? No, you gave the City team a few minutes ago. So give us the Sunderland team. Mapson, Gorman and Hall, Thompson, Johnson, McNabb, Duns, Carter, Gurney, Gallica, Burbanks. Right, Rob, do you want to pick a team for my dad? Any, any team? Wow, that... this is amazing. How about Middlesbrough? Coming, Laking, Stewart, Martin, Baxter, Forrest, <laughs> Burkitt, Camsell, Mannion and Milne. Wow. Uh, well, we'll Burkitt, have one more. Fenton, Camsell, Mannion and Milne. Okay. Uh, we'll have one more. You can pick one, Steve. Bolton Wanderers? Going back a long time now, into the 20s, I think. But they were a damn good team in those days. Pym, Howarth and Finney, Duckworth, Seddon, Nuttall, Butler, Robert, Smith, Smith and Vizard. <laughs> Very good, I'm amazed. Fantastic. Uh, before we move on to the Arsenal game, Dad, just, just thinking about uh, management as well. Because I remember sort of Mercer and Allison. That was my first taste of sort of city managers. You know, we've had the Mancinis, who of course won us our first Premier League, Pellegrini, and, and now Guardiola. Who would you say from a, a sort of a, we've talked about Peter Doherty being your favourite player. In terms of management, was it that Mercer Allison, or did people come before who, who you were particularly fond of? Or is it indeed the genius that's Pep Guardiola? Who would you say is your favourite sort of manager in, the, in all of those years you've been watching them? No, I can't answer it like that, but I'll tell you a funny story. Mm. Regarding managers, uh, I was at a wedding, family wedding, and I think you were chairman, I don't, I'm not sure. And uh, you uh, told everybody that you had a marvellous family and a marvellous wife, who you thought was wonderful and still do. Uh, and you thought that uh, the most famous person of all was Stuart Pearce, because he was the city manager at the time, and you brought the, it brought the house down. I, th I do remember the story. It wasn't quite like that, but I know what you're talking about. I do remember the story. Uh, so, so let's let's bring us back up to uh, to the Arsenal game, um, and bringing Rob and and, and Steve in here. Uh, we have a terrible record, of course, playing Arsenal. And uh, I think we've won twice or something in the last ten, ten visits to the Arsenal. Um, so, but, but at the same time, of course, they were uh, on a very bad run. So uh, 
before the game, what were your thoughts and feelings sort of going into that game? Pretty, pretty hopeful that we could come away with the result, I guess. I, I was very excited and I had no fear for the first time for a long time. And uh, throughout the game, I had no fear either. It was clear that City were an infinitely better team than, than Arsenal. And it was a glorious opportunity to win thrown away, which is uh, a little disappointing. But this team is exciting, it's fast, it's flawed at the moment, but it's going absolutely in the right direction. And Arsenal are in big trouble. They are. Uh, and seeing Navas being selected at right back, what, mm. what would you thought when you sort of first saw the team sheet? And I had a bit of a discussion with someone outside. They all said that Fernandinho was going to play at full-back when they saw the 1-11. to And I said, it's not. It's going to be Navas. He'll be playing in a holding midfield role. And it turned out to be right. But, but Navas at right back, he's only played there once before. Yeah, but once I'd got over my sort of initial surprise, it kind of made a lot of sense, really, because I've always extolled the virtues of Navas of being able to get back and tackle. He can tackle. Um, and with, it, with the one exception of a rather poor tackle in the first five minutes, he actually didn't do too badly. I thought he played... He had quite a good game. Dad, you're not a big Navas fan, I know that. But but he's, he's playing against Sanchez, who's one of the best wingers in the business. And he did all right, didn't he, at the, at the weekend? Mm. Can I just interject and say that uh, I'm delighted to see Robert here today because his father and I, we had war service in combat units and your father, who I thought very highly of, was in the Coldstream Guards and I was in the Lancashire Fusiliers and we both went through the mill to a, to a fair degree, a tough going in the infantry. Uh, but uh, jolly good to see his esteemed and very successful son sitting opposite me. Now, let me go on to Navas. <laughs> Navas, is, uh, Navas and his wife and, and daughter uh, lived for some years next to where I live in South Manchester, where I, I now live with my daughter and my, son, uh, and my son-in-law since my darling wife died three and a quarter years ago. <sighs> He gave, they, they lent us their box. We, we sat in their box several times, and there was Navas on the field playing for City, and his wife, a sweet, sweet, very sweet little uh, lady-like uh, girl, playing with the baby in the room at the back and not, not even looking at the football. In fact, she d- didn't even like football. <laughs> but uh, but as, Nav- as a defender... Navas, I'm sorry... I'm, uh, he was a jolly nice, well brought up, polite young man, but he was he was no football, no international, he was no footballer. Come on, the right side, outside right. Uh, he he got a, a few crosses away, yes, but he did nothing else. He never ever cut inside and went for the goal, like Shaw used to do a few years ago. Anything he just stood on the wing, he'd run run forward, and when he's Came up against his, his, his opponent, opposition fullback. He placed it backwards time and time again. Go forward, stop, play it backwards. He never beat the man. I like the boy, but he he, he was a very poor boy, in my opinion. I'm sorry about that. Do you want to defend Navas any more, or do you want to sort of leave it? Def- I can't defend him anymore. Um, I don't think, in reference to the Arsenal game, I don't think. Given that he was playing out of what we would consider out of position, I don't think he had a bad game 
at all, really. He played quite well. He kept Sanchez very quiet for most of the game. I don't really remember Sanchez having a great deal of time on the ball and, and or much off the ball, to be fair. And he eventually started coming back into the um, in, into their own half to actually try and retrieve the ball. And I didn't think it was that bad either. And I have to say, I think Sterling was at fault in many ways. He mm. should have been coming back and actually supporting Navas more and, and wasn't playing deep enough. And, and as we know, at the half-time, he was substituted anyway because he, uh, he had a very, very poor first half. Okay, what about De Bruyne? Can I move on to De Bruyne as well? Because he's had a real mixed press. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I had an argument with, with the Colonel myself before we came on here because I think De Bruyne, okay, there was a fantastic pass, which he's capable of doing, uh, that's put Sane in for a great goal. But he, he's, in the last few weeks, he's been giving the ball away. He's not looked on his game at all. He's been hugely disappointing. Well, he's become patchy, uh, but there's still the killer pass there, which is good. He did one back heel, which was uh, immortal. It was just something that ordinary ordinary players can't do but he has been below his uh, uh, his best in in the last few weeks and I think the most important decision was to bring Yaya on at half time which gave the team a solidity which it didn't have um, in, in the first half but you know it's it's frustrating because as soon as Arsenal equalized then City went up a gear again so there's something about not having the killer instinct, not being able to to nail teams when they're vulnerable uh, that City don't yet have. And once they get that, it's, it's, it's going to be a formidable team. I, th- I think Pep said as much after the game that City could have gone on to really give Arsenal a, a good old thrashing, but they seemed to almost stop playing. Once they scored, they seemed to sort of throttle back a little bit when really they, they should have been, you know, I think they scored, then De Bruyne hit the post, yeah. and then after that, it seemed to calm down, and Arsenal seemed to get 20, 25 minutes of ball, of the ball, which they hadn't had up to that point, and, and hit us with, well, really a set-piece play that was uh, poorly defended. It reminded me of the Monaco goal, of course. It was not dissimilar, wasn't it, in many ways? You have to say, I mean, Clichy is awful. Otamendi had another dreadful game again. And he's had too many of those dreadful games. And I'm afraid his time is up. And Clichy should should be waived. Thank you and goodbye. Well, he will be, won't he? We know that. But he's, he's not going to get rid of him before the end of the season. And we're stuck with limited resources, which is why we're playing Navas at right back. We don't have the defenders. We know that. Well, I think some of the emerging youth talent would be better than playing Clichy uh, and, and Sanya. All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, on that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be straight back after this. Hello from the Geek Town Radio podcast, a show that gives you the latest TV, film and gaming news all from a UK perspective, plus the latest UK premiere dates and a ton of interviews from people such as Suits Lewis Lit, Rick Hoffman. It's crazy. The whole thing's crazy. To gaming royalty like Troy Baker and Nolan North. Would you really take a bullet from me? I will know. That's that's the acting. From behind the scenes people such as the directors of smash hit US comedy Veep. We love Geek Town. My kids wear your t-shirts. To screen legends. Hello. Such as Mr. George Decay. Star trekking across the universe. For all this and more, come join us on Geek Town Radio, available to download every Tuesday from your usual podcast supplier and from geektown.co.uk. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Uh, before we move forward, let's just go back to the Arsenal game quickly. And, and Dad, you want to talk about uh, Kevin De Bruyne because we've been talking about this before we came on air, and I've been really disappointed with his performance over the last few weeks. But you, you, I know you rate him very highly. You think he's uh, he's one of the greats. He's a class. He's a class act. Uh, I hope he's with us for many, many years. A fellow who I, I'm not too keen on is Sterling. He should be nearly the finished article by now, but he isn't. He's had plenty of chances. He uh, he looks fed up all, all, all the time he's running over the field, looks thoroughly fed up with himself. <laughs> uh, because he runs, he, he, he runs flat out for two or three yards, and then he, he, he runs down a, a cul-de-sac every time. Uh, Beats the, he beats the, the the opposition occasionally, but not enough. I don't rate him very highly at all. Uh, but talking of the current crop, I'm, I'm assuming Sane, who had another good game, took his goal brilliantly. He look he looks he looks a good player, doesn't he? At 19, you must be pleased with Sane as a good signing. I was delighted with with him to, to see him performing. I think he, he he is a class act already. So we'll keep Sane. Um, I was listening to Arsenal TV as I did, purely as part of my research for this uh, for this show. It's not something I would listen to normally. Uh, and they were talking, going back to what you said before, Steve, about this fact that S- City were kind of almost in first gear and, and, and for the last 20, 25 minutes they just didn't really seem to sort of turn the screw and take full advantage. And, and, and why is that? Because we, we really needed to win that game. Well, we didn't have to win it, but, you know... <laughs> Chelsea had lost the day before, so you know there was a real chance for us to. We all yeah. know the league's probably gone. We we were said that weeks ago. We're not going to win the league, but we could put a bit of pressure on here. Well, there, there, I mean, there's a few things there. You're absolutely right. Chelsea losing at the weekend. If we'd have got three points against Arsenal, if we'd have gone to go to Stamford Bridge and get a result against Chelsea, then the, we would only be six points behind them if that were to be the case. But unfortunately, not. We seem to have a habit in games now where we might have a little bit of bad luck we hit the post a couple of times potentially there was a handball that in some games might have been given very very yeah I mean your dad's sort of saying shaking his hand and and I do agree I I think it would have been very harsh if that had been given but they they tend to get to a point where they kind of seem to rue their luck and when they rue their luck they, 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 they almost don't try as hard as perhaps they could do to get another goal it's almost as though well we're just not going to get it today are we we'll just play the ball around and, and, and we'll hope that something will come our way and that, that's that's kind of an, an, it's an apathy sometimes creeps into the game and I, I don't like it really you were disappointed with it as well Rob I was I was disappointed that we didn't push on but uh, there's still huge potential there what, what's missing is is company company's leadership on, on, on the pitch is simply not there Stones is, has really recovered his form and is playing extremely well. But he's not senior enough to be able to, to be a leader at the moment. Uh, Silva is not a captain with great respect. He's a, he's a great player, but he's, he, he's, he's not a captain. And uh, they do get flaky, although they have had some appalling refereeing decisions throughout the season. Uh, including from the one on on Saturday. And one of the joys for me was to watch Pep uh, going mad on the touchline with the uh, assistant referee for his failure to intervene time and again, which was uh, um, uh, good to see that uh, Pep 
Pep also shares my view about the poor quality of match officials. So it gives you your opportunity, because it's a, a sort of a reoccurring theme here, Rob, with you. So, so we do know that an international recently uh, did introduce this whole idea of video replays, which we've not seen before, and a couple of decisions were overturned, which I'm sure gives you your opportunity to say, let's bring it in, let's, let's bring in this, and let's go to American football, where well, games you... last nine hours, and we stop play every four minutes to slow it down, and change the whole game of football. Over to you, Rob. I know that you are a positional conservative on these matters, being a referee yourself, and I also congratulate you on taking a very senior game uh, in the last two weeks. That's excellent. But what this game showed was that your defensive arguments have absolutely no validity to them. And two goals were ruled out uh, or or judged on by the video referee uh, within uh, 30 seconds of the original decision being made. 44 seconds, I think one of them was, just to be clear, just to be accurate. In under a minute. And you've been banging on for for months about how this was going to delay the game and uh, make it less exciting. But actually, in this game, justice was done and the video referees got it right twice when the linesman and the referee got it wrong. What's wrong with that? So where does it stop, Rob? That's my question would be, where does it stop? Is it, is it in and out of play? Is it offsides? Is it fouls? Is it penalties? Is it foul throws? Is it caught? You know, where do we stop? And, and, and how, is it on a referral? Yeah, but this is, this is the, you know, the classic argument of, of the Conservative who wants to stop things and uses the exaggerated defence of uh, how we're going to play this. If you start off with goals, whether they are legitimate or not, as happened in the international, then that is merit. That improves the quality of decision-making. And the, the, the FA are going to have pilots next year in, I think, the third round of the FA Cup. And they can see from experience how far to go. But if you just restrict it to goals, that's an improvement on the, on the poor quality that we currently have. So that would include, just, just to continue this for a moment, uh, that would presumably include fouls in a build-up to a, to a goal. That, that doesn't discredit the argument. Well, is it a yes or a no I'm looking for again, I, I don't know. I want to see experiments to make sure that the integrity of the game isn't, uh, isn't spoiled. And I think you should, uh, given that you're a reasonable, honourable man, uh, accept that this experiment in the international was very successful. Do you? Uh, in, in part, yes, I would accept that. I would say, it w- in, in part, yes, I would accept that, being very clear, because I can give clear yes or no answers to your questions, unlike yourself sometimes. So it's a yes. My question to you that you haven't answered, and I'll come on to Steve, because I'm here, interested to hear my dad's view as well. But Steve, your thought on this whole video refing bit, where, where do you sit on this? Actually, I'm with Rob on this particular incident. Um, I think... Quite often, we make a mountain out of a molehill in the press with regards to certain decisions that get made on, 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 a, on the pitch. And I'm a big believer in making sure that where you could use it, you should use that kind of technology. And in the instance we're talking about here with the goals last week, where, you're, where it is, is actually crucial to a team, whether a goal is given or not given, dependent upon what happened in the lead-up to that goal, whether someone was offside or not, I think that's a great use of that kind of technology, especially seeing as those decisions were delivered in, in a fraction of what we, we'd been sort of talking about in the past. However, I do think that we shouldn't allow it to creep much further than that on, on the back of the fact that you could end up 
giving some decisions over ridiculous things such as oh well the ball went out for a throw or not as the case may be right. I don't think you need to go for every decision we, people argue dad that, that it's in tennis quite successfully uh, it's in cricket now of course with LBWs and, and run outs and stumpings can you see it would you be a fan of seeing it coming into football for, for the sort of decisions that Rob's referring to you're no. a big fan no you see nice, nice easy why, why not why, why are you not such a big fan Football is a, is a game of speed apart from skill. And if you start having stops like uh, rugby league, when as soon as somebody goes down, it has to be healed back with the game stopped, uh, it'll take all the fun out of it. And, uh, I, I never dissent with anything that the colonel says, but I'd just like to make this point. Uh, if you watch Stoke City play against City... They took several hours to take every throw-in that they got, deliberately slowing down the game, wasting time. That took a lot more time than it took to make these very rapid video decisions about whether or not it was a goal. Just before we move on, just to give you my, my view, if I can, for, for, for once, and, and just be serious for a second, I think there are certain situations, and you've talked about the goal in and out of play, where it's, it's either over the goal line or it's not, where it's factual. The difficulty I have is the laws of the game say, if in the opinion of the referee, when it comes to a foul. The difficulty we have, as soon as we take that upstairs to a video referee sitting in a truck behind the main stand, it goes from the opinion of the referee on the on the pitch to the opinion of somebody sitting in a, a truck and it's somebody else's opinion and many Nigel, men, just just to, just to finish the point if i may if i may it's your show well if i may this final <laughs> point i want to make and i want to hear back from you is that the important issue here is that very many times on match of the day Shearer will say i think it was a foul and genus will say i didn't think it was where do we go do we go to arbitration do we go to a court of law it's become it's the opinion and i would agree with my dad finally that it will just completely change the makeup of the game completely i well, said well, you could come back thank you very much i think it's <laughs> it's fitting that you should agree with your father on all occasions and i want to see more of that if if we can uh, and I'm glad to see that you have finally conceded that there is merit in the basic idea that uh, video refereeing is good. And I, I'm happy, I, I certainly wouldn't take any notice of anything that Alan Shearer says uh, because I think he's a, 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 an awful pundit on the BBC, waste of money. Uh, but I do think in direct response, and you know, I'm, I'm puzzled by you saying that I don't answer questions, were the goals offside or not? That is a factual question, and the referee got it wrong uh, on a critical occasion, and, and the video referee came to his aid. So what happened was the authority of the referee was bolstered by this decision in a way which produced fairness on all sides. Yeah. Okay, uh, just one final thing. It's not always that case because, in terms of different phases of play, it's not, offside is not always that factual. So, that's just the only thing I'd just say on that. Very much is it part of that same phase of play? And it does become an opinion again of the assistant referee or the referee. But this, is, this debate, I'm sure, will go on. Let, let's look forward if we can because we play Chelsea this week, who I'm pretty sure we'd all agree, Dad, champions, Chelsea already in the bag. No one's going to catch them, are they? I don't think. Nobody. No. So, they're there. So, we go there. Uh, do we have any chance at all going going over to Chelsea, away at Chelsea, at Stamford Bridge? No. No. 
I know you're always very negative about cities, but 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 Rob, Steve, of we've got a bit we of a, ch- a chance. Exactly, put him right here. We, you're disagreeing with my father. Well, I'm not I'm allowed not, to, I'm, but I'm, you can. I'm respecting his view, but but putting a, a slightly different one. The point is that this is now a team which I watched for years that couldn't win away. Uh, mm. We had Fortress, Main Road, or the Etihad, brilliant at home, but couldn't get a point away from home. That's gone now. If anything, they're less impressive uh, at home than they are away. They've also proved this season that apart from some a couple of classic encounters which when they've gone down the drain against Leicester and against Everton, they are good enough to beat any team in that division uh, if they weren't so profligate in front of goal. So they can play on Wednesday night, they can take their chances and they can beat Chelsea as they should have done in in the uh, corresponding game earlier in the season. We're capable of beating anybody, aren't we, really? Steve? We are, yeah, absolutely. But we have to take the right attitude on, on the night. You know, that, that's, that's one of the problems that we actually have... I don't fear anybody in that league anymore now. I used to. Um, but City are quite capable of going to Stamford Bridge and getting a result. Um, and I hope they damn well do, really. Um, and what about top four? If we're, if we're agreeing with Dad for a second that says, look, we're not going to win the league. It's Chelsea's league now to lose, but it's pretty much nailed on for them. Top four is clearly, we'll come on to the cup in a second, but top four... Are we in danger of slipping out of that, or do you think no, that's, that's in think, the bag and I, that's I, safe? I, I, no, I don't think there's no no such thing as being in the bag, Nigel, because you, you could easily lose that place if you had a bad run, a, a poor run of form. But I think we ought to finish in the top three, not the top four. I would actually say we'll finish in the top three, probably second. I can't see Tottenham finishing second. Had we won against Arsenal, I think we could have reeled Chelsea in. We've done that before. Um, it would only take Chelsea to get a couple of draws and you could be snapping on their heels, but it's not going to happen now. Chelsea, Spurs, City, Liverpool, Rob, that's your top four as well, is it? I think that United and Arsenal are not playing well enough uh, to make me fear for City's qualification for the Champions League, but it can all change in one game, so uh, we shouldn't make predictions, Nigel. No, I, I, you wouldn't. Let's look forward to the semi-final then, Dad. It's uh, an, yet another trip to Wembley. I guess you've lost track of the number of trips you've made we've we've stood and sat next to each other on many occasions um i think the uh, the playoff at gillingham was one particularly memorable moment which uh, which we didn't leave the ground did we that was marvelous um and indeed the stoke fa cup final as well we sat together then as well when we we won that one um but in terms of arsenal in the semi-final having seen the game on sunday your thoughts about whether did we learn much from that or is it just a a one-off semi-final at wembley and we can't really read too much into what happened at the weekend your thoughts looking forward to the semi-final I'm not looking forward to the semi-final particularly, no. Uh, I don't think Arsenal will play as badly uh, against us again as they did. Uh, Playing away in the, uh, so to speak, in the semi-final means we're on the, probably just on the back foot. But you, I, don't, I don't remember you ever being positive about any game looking forward to it that you always think we're going to lose. So at least you're consistent, if nothing else. Uh, we, I know you two will be far more positive about our chances against a, a side who look really just not playing well, not playing as a team, lacking in so many areas. They look very poor, don't they? They were there for the beating, and it's so frustrating we didn't do that on, at the weekend. So, yeah, they, they do look like they're there for the beating, and this is the 
potentially the last chance of any silverware we've got this season. And if we don't go out with the kind of attitude that we ought to to beat them, then I will be incredibly frustrated because on, on our day we can beat Arsenal and we should beat Arsenal. And we need to show that on the pitch. We need a trophy, don't we, really, Rob, as well this season? Uh, I don't mind whether we have a trophy or not. What I want to see is the team developing. And what's good is that the team is not tired. The, uh, the, you know, the players are not uh, out on their feet. If you look at Silva and De Bruyne, they're not in need of a rest in the way in which they were last year. This is a great stage. It's, it's a great occasion. Uh, I hope that company gets a game because uh, it's time that we saw him again and... Um, uh, we miss him so badly. I mean, that's the thing that, that we do have a, a squad that's Pellegrini is not going to play. In that we've got Arsenal, we've got Chelsea, we've then got a semi-final, we've got Hull. He will have to mix it up a bit as well. So he's, he's he can't physically play the same the same side. I think Fernando's got to have to have a game, hasn't yeah. he? He's going to have to rest one or two others. Company. It was great to see him back on the on the subs bench, of course. So he's been promoted. Of course, in Monaco, he wasn't even in the squad. He was in his suit. Um, so good to see Company back. It'd be nice to see him yeah, in a nice blue shirt. Again. I was going to say nicer to see him on the pitch than on the bench really to be fair and I think if you were to have um, Stones and company next to each other I think you'd have quite a formidable pairing because company would be able to nurture and coach Stones along in the way that he can and show him some of the skills that he learned having you know adapted from being a midfielder really when we first bought him um, he's turned out to be the best central defender I've seen in a city shirt for many years now I'm going to give my dad an opportunity now for another player that I know he's not necessarily his favourite player he's not quite in the Peter Doherty mould we're talking about central defenders dad we've talked about company we've talked about stones uh, your thoughts on Otamendi and Mangala then your two favourite city players of the last 50 years would you say <laughs> two of the worst as bad as that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a man of few words. Um, so let's, uh, let's look forward then to the end of the season, finally, before we, before we go. And it's Pep's first season. Um, what would success look like to you, Steve, for, for him in his first season? Because some would argue that being knocked out of the Champions League at this stage means he's failed already. We're not going to win the Premier League. Um, there's a chance of maybe the FA Cup. Is, is, this, think, is this a bad season for Pep? No, I don't think it's a bad season. I think he's taken over an ageing squad. They've rejuvenated the front half of the team. You know, We've got a very fast and young front half of the team. And there's a bit of work to be done in the midfield and, and at the back. And I think that it was always going to be a transition. If we'd have won the Premiership this year and we'd have gone further in the Champions League, it would have probably been more by luck rather than judgment, I think, given what he had to work with and the raw material I think he set out with the best of intentions to mould the team in the way that he wants it and he's found that there are some players in there that are wanting and they need to be swapped over and, and, and I agree with Rob actually bringing through some of the younger talent you know we've got Angelino um, and we've got Maffeo that would probably be very good back up left and left and right um, wing backs and I think we actually need to make use of that talent I think he's, he's kind of shown that we can play the kind of football that he wants. Before we go back to, to Rob in terms of his views on Pellegrini, Dad, Dad, your thoughts on Pellegrini in his first year? Pellegrini or, Pe- or, or even oh, Guardiola? Thanks, Dad. Guardiola in his in his first year. What your your thoughts on his first season at City? Yes, uh, it took several years for the United manager. What's his name? Ferguson. Ferguson to get uh, to sort out Manchester United. Mm. 
and give this fellow a chance, give him, give him three or four years to get the correct squad together. Rob, would that be fair? Now we've got the manager's name right. I, I think we need to remember that most football journalists want Pep to fail so they have a good story to write about. Most football supporters that I know, who are my friends who support Arsenal or Tottenham or United or Chelsea, would want Pep to be their manager. And uh, there are some stupid City supporters who have uh, lost faith with him. Well, they're idiots and they, they, they should pack their bags. He is the best thing that has happened to this club and will make us world class. And we have to uh, relish every moment that he's there because he won't be there forever. And it's very exciting uh, time to be a City supporter. And even if they don't win anything this year, it doesn't matter. Uh, the team is now progressing from the stasis under uh, Pellegrini. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure looking back and looking forward, a, a show of nostalgia. Uh, as I said before, this is Rob Barron's last show uh, for a while as he starts his new project. So everybody at the Man City Show, Rob, w- wishes you well, and hopefully you'll be back one day to come and grace the microphone. Uh, Steve Cox, it's been great to have you back. Thank you. And at nearly 97 years of age, awesome, my dad. Thank you for coming in, Dad. Great to see you again. Thank you for that. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. When it comes to a software vendor audit, you need to park the bus. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.